<laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here this Friday evening. And of course, hey, it's Friday. Sometimes we run into some technical difficulties, but it's all good. And thank you so much. If you guys are joining us today, I know we had a show this Wednesday. Guess what? We have a special show for you tonight. We are going to have an amazing, amazing conversation with a wonderful educator, a wonderful friend, and hopefully a wonderful resource for any of you that are interested in STEM education in the primary grade level. So thank you guys for joining us today on this Friday evening. And today we've got Fiona Morrison, who's joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia. So thank you so much, Fiona, for finding some time out of your day. And just to let our viewers know, it is Saturday morning or actually Saturday midday in Sydney, all right, and we're here Friday night, so uh, a little time difference there, but again, we're here to uh, just share our passion and our knowledge for STEM. Fiona, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm great, Fonz. How are you? I'm doing great, Fiona, doing great, except for that just little minor hiccup there for tech difficulties, Always but happens. like they say, tech happens, it's all good. Fiona, thank you so much again and again, all the way from Sydney. Um, you know, if just in case you don't know, uh, the, the way that I actually got to meet Fiona is through our Global GEG community. And she is a member and one of the leaders in Global GEG. And I, find, I started following her on Instagram and have seen the work that she's done and the passion. So so you know what? We definitely need to get together to have a STEM conversation. So again, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I love STEM. I'm so passionate about it. So I'm really excited to be able to share it with you and have a chat about it. Perfect. Fiona, just uh, tell that for our audience members that are listening here today, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your education, excuse me, uh, you know, what grade level do you teach, yeah. uh, your experience, that way our audience members can get to know you a little bit more. Absolutely. So I've been teaching year one in Sydney, so grade one, six and seven year olds for the last two years. And prior to that, I was sort of teaching year two, so seven and eight. So I'm really used to teaching those elementary infants grades, the younger students. Um, I've had a little bit of maternity leave here and there with my own two boys who are two and four. Um, and before that, so I've been teaching since 2015. Before that, I was working with children um, through my church and through childcare. So I've literally been working with children for the last 15, 16 years. Um, but it's only been in the last year with the pandemic and everything that I've really um, found my niche in STEM and, and with technology. Um, before last year, I wouldn't have said I was a technology person at all. And you can see I've got my robot and my computer shirt. It's all happening. Um, just the last year, um, I became a digital literacy coach at my school. Um, so really supporting the staff in implementing technology um, for the students to engage them and um, finding innovative ways um, to help them with that. So um, yeah, that's just a bit about my journey so far. Oh, well, that's great. I'm really excited. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And, uh, you know, like you said, that age level, I mean, mm. it definitely, I, you know, my praise goes out to you, that grade level. I never had the opportunity to teach uh, that grade level, but I did do, you know, fifth and sixth grade. So it's about 10, 11 year olds, you know, going to 12 year olds in sixth grade, so on. So I, I know it could be very different, but I, you know, 
it, it, it's wonderful. I loved, those were my favorite years to work in when I was doing elementary school and it could definitely be a lot of fun. But Fiona, before we get more into the STEM, can you tell us about your friend that you've got there? This is Robbie the robot. So because I work with, oh, he's a bit sad. Um, because I work with the, the little kids, I find, you know, they just love the hands-on, something a bit different, a bit quirky. Like I'm a bit quirky, so I love those sorts of things. So this is Robbie the robot. Um, I use him to sort of introduce some of the coding concepts, um, algorithms and things. The students absolutely love it. They they go off about it. Um, so I just find him a great like little introduction before I start getting into some of the nitty-gritty of the digital technology and coding and algorithms and things like that. So I just thought I'd pop him in there because, you know, it's always nice to have a friend with you. <laughs> oh, all the time. Now, Fiona, now you're talking my language here. And this is something that I, I really enjoyed what you just mentioned right now, the way that you use Robbie to introduce the concepts and you mentioned algorithms. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, that's such a big word. It's like, wow, algorithms, what like algorithms in in with with five, six year olds. I was like, yes, you know, so let's get a little bit more into that conversation here as far as algorithms and the way that you go about introducing some coding and, and basic yeah. programming with yeah. uh, the, your five and six uh, or the five and six year olds. Absolutely. So with the younger students, what I find is you've just really got to break it down for them, make it really simple because, you know, you just break things up and it's all about repetition. So I find that connecting coding and algorithms to um, things like procedure writing. So, you know, making a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or making fairy bread here in Australia. We love all of that. So talking about writing instructions and making your steps really explicit and then we would do a pretend, okay, I'm going to follow your directions exactly how you've explained them to me. And the kids love it because, you know, it just goes all over the place. They, they say, put the sprinkles all over the place. So you're throwing sprinkles everywhere. I was like, oh, were your instructions explicit enough? So I kind of find doing sort of like unplugged activities, like away from the computer, starting really simply with what are instructions how can we make them specific? And then we go into the, the technology. Well, when we're trying to use a robot or when we're trying to use our computer, we're trying to give it instructions and steps to follow. So we need to be really specific in the instructions that we follow. And sometimes the step that I would make between a procedure writing on a sandwich and the computer is I might do coding Mrs. Morrison robot. So I'll pretend to be a robot and I'll say, you have to give me some instructions and I'm going to follow them. So the students will go, okay, you're going to go forward and left and back and and I will model that for them as, you know, teacher Mrs. Robot, uh, Mrs. Morrison robot. And just giving them the, the idea that they can give the instructions and those steps and those algorithms to the robot and it will follow those steps. So really just breaking it down and chunking it. So I like linking it to the procedure writing because it's something that we do, you know, with the younger children anyway, and then sort of building their knowledge, kind of making it integrated so they can understand, you know, we know that in the brain, if we're making lots of connections between different concepts, it's going to cement and it's going to stay there. Um, so I kind of like doing those um, activities away from the robots and that, and then get into the robots and the, the coding. And what I found is, the, the children know a lot more than we do. Like, I think we need to give them a little bit more credit. Um, so things like we use Minecraft and things like that in the classroom. And I know that my colleagues get a bit anxious about using those sorts of things because they, they don't know how to use it. And I say, let's give the kids a little bit of credit. They actually know 
a lot of how to use these things if you know the basics. And it's the same with the robots. I think the students pick it up really quickly, a lot quicker than we do, because I think they're just so immersed in technology, you know, whereas we grew up maybe not so with as much technology. Um, so I, I, I just find I build it up and then teach them the basics of the robot, let them have a bit of a play and a bit of an explore, and they come up with some amazing things. Oh, I love that. And actually, that's actually one of the activities that I love doing when we do the summer STEM camps here in our district is precisely that uh, kind of same exercise where I'll just get a just a like, butcher paper here. So the students are writing procedures and yeah. it, it is it is funny, really. I mean, to see what they come up with, because, you know, sometimes something as automatic as maybe brushing your teeth. We really don't think about the steps, yeah. but then when they start writing the steps and then mm -hmm. we, you know, what I do is I have the, the kids because they're a lot older, they're about fifth and sixth grade. Well, once they select a procedure that they're going to write the steps to, they'll write it all down on a big piece of butcher paper. We'll put it on the wall and then we'll do a little gallery walk and then we'll yeah. have uh, you know, other kids mark up like, wait a minute, but you you said this before this or wait, you didn't say that you had to open this up or yeah. you didn't say how much. And yeah. it it really you kind of see those the the thought process or the little light bulbs go off where it's like, that's right. Kind of everything has an order. You must do yeah. things a certain way in order for. Uh, you know, like like we said, something like a sandwich to be made, a shoe to be tied, you know, even putting on a pair of pants or things of that sort. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. And and I love I think the reaction and and, and also the the exploration that comes along with that, because, you know, even like you were saying with uh, the grade levels that you teach, the age level, sometimes we don't really give them enough credit that they do understand, they do comprehend, you know, you, we will have to maybe walk them through a couple of things and procedures, but when they get that understanding and exploring and they figure things out, that's amazing. And I think it's a, we definitely need to give a little bit more time to explore. And yeah. uh, that's where a lot of the kids, they just shine you just see like wow so yeah. i really love that exercise and i would also do one where uh we would put arrows on the on the floor and all of this yeah. is that free curriculum from code.org and then they would just go ahead and direct people where to go as yeah. far as the steps and things because again following order following procedure yeah. and then learning the vocabulary like yes. the word algorithm, the word variable, the word loop. Yeah. It, it's amazing. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And I think once the students keep practicing those, you can then start transferring it to other robots or other activities and they just pick it up. So we've done, you know, blue bot robots with our students and then they might do a code.org um, hour of code activity and they can quite quickly pick up that this coding exercise is very similar to the coding of the robot. As you said, it's that shared language. Once they realize, okay, I'm just giving the algorithms and I'm putting those in, um, yeah, they can just recognize it and transfer it very quickly. So I find I really enjoy introducing it at a young age because the, the students' brains are still malleable. Like you can still teach them things. They soak things up a lot quicker. And the, the younger we can introduce these things, the more concrete they're going to be in their brains and they're going to hold on to it and they're going to build onto it <clears throat> as they get older. So as I think we were saying, <clears throat> excuse me, 
before the, the show, we were talking about how by the time they get to about 12 or 13, I read some research somewhere that said by 12 or 13, students have made up their minds about whether they enjoy STEM or not and whether they might explore that as a career path into the future. So when you think about that, that's your, your six, your seven, your eighth graders. And if we don't tap into that when they're younger and build those skills and that knowledge, we're not really giving them a fair chance to decide whether they want to do STEM when they're older, you know? Like we really want to tap into that when they're younger to give them the opportunity to build on from that as they get older. Yeah, I, and one of the things too that I love, like you said, if you start them off young, uh, you're really piquing their interest. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I love, and uh, I mean, maybe you can share your experience with that too, but like we were talking about this a little earlier, is that through all of these activities, you know, we're hitting so many modes of learning, like mm -hmm. multimodal uh, learning here, because you've got the hands-on, you've got, the, of course, the kinesthetic, the visual, the auditory, all of those, and you're really engaging the students. But one thing that I loved, too, is that a lot of those skills are really cross-curricular. I mean, I know that STEM, it's, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, but just because it, it, it's that's right there in that acronym doesn't mean that some of those skills can't be used in reading because you need those uh, comprehension skills, you know, collaboration when you're working on projects. So I think that uh, these kind of activities really do a lot more good uh, in the long run because they build those skills for every subject, not yeah. just those particular ones that STEM uh, covers. So what has been your experience with that? No, absolutely. I would totally agree with you. I think STEM is more than just the content knowledge. As you said, it's more than just science. It's more than just technology. I think a lot of people hear STEM and they think robots or they think technology or they think coding. But STEM is so much more than that. It's, it's those skills that you want your students to develop um, to keep building on through later in life. It's collaboration. It's critical thinking, it's problem solving, it's creativity, resilience, risk taking, it's all of those skills that you're wanting your students to, to leave your classroom having. And so it can easily integrate with any topic that you're teaching, any um, area that you're doing. So I, I was talking to some friends on Twitter the other day and I said, okay, I've got an English unit, we're doing this term about under the sea, I've got this picture book, what, how can I stem it up? What can I do? And they came up with ideas like using slow motion, like stop motion video, um, doing some readers theatre like puppets, um, using the blue bots and getting the students to make maps of the story and getting them to code the robot through the story. Like you can, you can literally do STEM in any subject. And I think the main thing that we want to focus on is, is the skills that the students are developing from from those activities so it's not just okay let's just use robots all the time because i mean robots are great i mean i love them um but it's more than that as well um so when i started a cater to stem club at school last year i was really mindful of trying to make it not just the robots and not just minecraft or technology i wanted it to include some of their engineering skills or science and things like that so that students understand that it's not necessarily just about the gadgets it's also the skills that they can develop through problem solving and coming up with creative solutions to things like that and i like that that you said that it 
you you have to share with them that it's like you said, not all about the gadget because yeah, you can put a robot in front of them and their eyes are going to light up and they're going to be excited because they get to manipulate the robot. But what happens when the robot's not there? So we need to show them those applications as to how they can take those skills that they learn to program a robot and apply them in a different manner. Like you said, with some of more of the hands-on uh, engineering, maybe some more of the hands-on science activities that you have. And I yeah. think that's great because now it's like, there's so much stuff out there, so many gadgets, so many programs, so many things that it's like STEM, 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 STEM. Yeah. But I, I loved what you said. It's not about the gadget. It's about the content. It's about the learning, the process and building up those skills. So yeah, I love that. Now, I, I was fascinated. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, had, I just had another thought in terms uh -huh. of um, the cross-curricular because I know that one of the big things that people say to me is, oh, I don't have time for STEM. Mm -hmm. Oh, my, my, my curriculum is so crowded. I don't have time for it. But I think when you realise that it's not just about robots and things and you can actually integrate it into your different lessons mm -hmm. and actually have time for STEM. So, you know, if you've got an English unit and you're going to, use the the robots to retell the story you're including comprehension um you're retelling all of those things as well as including those skills so i think that's just something really important that i like to try and promote as well that it's not something extra that you tack on to the program it's something that you integrate into it um to make learning more like engaging and meaningful for students sorry I actually, I, no but that's that's a great point because mm. oftentimes they're like you said one of the things that sticks out is that there's often a disconnect between, mm -hmm. like you said, STEM and, uh, you know, different curriculum. And because the assumption or just when somebody hears the word STEM is like, oh, I need to do robots. Uh, I need to I need a computer. I need to do coding. I need to do this. But like you said, it, it's it's not all about the gadget. <laughs> it's the concept, the content, the learning, the application of those skills in different, um, you know, different uh, subject areas. So yeah. that's one thing that I really love there. And um, going back to what I was going to mention, I mean, I think it's very fascinating. A K through two coding club. Mm. K through two. Normally, I mean, I didn't venture out, you know, when I was in a, uh, still doing elementary and I was doing fifth grade and started a coding club. I think the, the lowest grade level that I went to was, I think it was third. And the reason was that, and it was me, mainly just me because I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't know because I never had experience with, you know, fifth and sixth is my niche. Never yeah. had really experience with fourth, but, you know, there was a lot of people that, that were interested. So I said, okay, let's let fourth. And then I let some third graders in. And then I was like, hey, you know, like these, these kiddos, they pick up really quick. And then I had one, uh, I think he was in kinder. And he was actually the little brother of one of my students at that time who was in fifth grade. And so he would stay behind because, you know, the sister would stay behind and the brother would stay behind in our coding club. And I remember putting an Ozobot in his hand and then he would just kind of stay staring and picking up and understanding the concepts and, but just really thinking through and I can see him going through that process. And then at one moment he just looked up and it's like, he got it. Yeah. Like he understood it. And then I was like, wow, you know, but here K through two, tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. How do you, how do you set that up? Yeah, sure. So because I became really passionate about STEM last year, I was thinking, how can I promote it in a way to help those students who 
um, might be struggling in other aspects. So I'm really passionate about helping students find their strengths and find their purpose in things. So for example, I had a student in my class who really struggled with literacy, um, but I could just see her mind was, she just had that real capacity to make connections between all of those STEM concepts. She would think outside the box. She would come up with these amazing solutions to things. And I was like, she needs something that she can feel successful in and that she just knows is her place. And so I was like, why not do a STEM club? Now, because I was new to the school and still just trying to work out how everything fit in, I did it at a, as a lunchtime group. Um, and our lunch times are quite short. So by the time the students finish eating, they only have about 20, 25 minutes to actually do something during the STEM club. So I decided to try and think of activities that were short and simple. They weren't all coding. So I did, the first week was in line with our science week. We had a national science week and it was to do with um, like cleaning up the oceans. So I said to the students, okay, here's some Lego. You have 20 minutes to come up with something that can help clean the oceans. So they had a little group and they had to decide, decide <clears throat> design something with the Lego. And you know, they had ones that were like vacuum cleaners that would suck things up out of the ocean. And like they had ones that had skip bins attached to it that would dump the rubbish in. Like the things that they came up with in that 20 minutes was amazing. Um, and so, I'm just really passionate about trying to include a whole bunch of activities that are going to develop those skills with the students. So they were working collaboratively, they were um, problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, all of those things, risk taking, oh, is this going to work? Oh, no, it's not going to work. We'll try something else. So the first like term was a lot of trial and error. I was like, let's just see what's going to work. We'll do some Lego. We did some Play-Doh, like who can build the tallest tower with matchsticks and Play-Doh. Um, we did some Minecraft, which I worked out. It's not always a good thing. Um, you've got to really monitor that. Um, and we did some robots. We had some blue bots and things like that. Um, in the second term, I decided to try and do a more long-term um, activity with the kids. So we, I said that they had to choose an area of the, the school that they wanted to redesign and make better. So what's, what's a part of the school that you think oh, we, we need to add a slide to the playground or one of them decided they wanted to build an underground base um, under the, the playground. So we got some cardboard, we got some um, make-do sets, they're like recyclable um, materials to help put cardboard together. Um, and we spent about three or four weeks and the students were just building these amazing cardboard creations um, of rebuilding the school. So we're using a bit of design thinking in there. Um, and I think, again, we just underestimate what these little people can come up with. They just came up with these amazing ideas, amazing creations. Um, so the way, the way I started was just worked out what time can I do the STEM club, what would work best for our school and the students. I asked the teachers to nominate some people that they thought might enjoy the STEM club who might benefit from it. Um, I worked out with our executive team um, if it was okay for me to run it, um, did we have the resources we needed, um, and then I just sent out some permission notes, got the, the permission from the parents to run it, and then off we went. And I just kind of each week kind of thought, what can I do this week with the kids? Oh, let's try this and see how it goes, and let's try that. A lot of trial and error, but they, they absolutely loved it. It was great fun. Oh, man, that is amazing. And all those activities sound great, you know, just really hands-on. I can just imagine that. I know uh, in a previous show we had uh, Carrie Ortz here who was talking about makerspaces and how to manage makerspaces. But the way she described that and the way that you're describing it, it seems like it just goes hand-in-hand hand where, you know, the students, just the design process. I yeah. love that. And you said, you know, right now 
you know, K2, and you're working on these concepts yeah. that, you know, like you said, may, maybe some of ourselves, like myself, you know, have just, it's something that's rather fresh, something that I'm just learning, uh, yeah. you know, design thinking process and so on yeah. later. But, you know, you're teaching it, the, you're teaching it to them at such a young age. And like you said, it's something that can, boom, just really, you know, spark that, you know, yeah. ideation, spark those yeah. ideas. And I just yeah. love those ideas that you're saying, oh, well, let's build a base under the, the, oh, the school. And, amazing. And okay, we need a base here and we're going to put an extra library in here. And this is our Minecraft corner. And I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but see, that, that's one thing that I love is that you are also uh, helping encourage their creativity. You know, I think that uh, as we grow older, you know, or at least maybe through grade school, you you want the kids, they're creative, they're, you know, they're a lot of tactile activities, hands-on. But then as the, we progress, it, everything just goes from hands-on to building to here's a worksheet and fill that in. And then here's this other packet and fill that in. And you kind of lose that kind of creativity that when you for an older student, just like myself during our STEM camps when we're in fifth and sixth grade, giving them materials and we're like, here you go, get creative. And so one of the activities that we did was we have some spheros. And so we were going to do uh, kind of like a last man standing, like joust with uh, uh, the balloons. And then we would put a little thumbtacks and we're like, okay, design. And here you go. And they're just kind of like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> how? I was like, yeah, just get creative. I mean, look, and we put a video up, and but you know, and and so it was it was difficult to kind of get them, but but once they yeah. started, you know, moving things around and started, you know, breaking things and taping things together and started constructing, it, it's it was just insane just seeing their their uh, what their creations and what they were doing. But it was so awesome to see. So yeah. I think that's something that is very important, especially yeah. in primaries, to be able to take advantage of that during the, during this time. Like you yeah. said, when children's brains are, are a little bit more malleable, they they have that un, that curiosity, that yeah. understanding, and uh, you know develop those skills. So yeah. when they do move up through middle school and high school, yeah. they can come back and harness uh, that learning that they did and yeah. apply it to those skills later on. So I, I think that's a great idea. And I think that they have that slightly less um, fear of failing. So with with the younger students, you know, they they I feel like sometimes with education, because we have so much that we need to teach and, and get in there, um, that you have to try and make sure, okay, well, they're meeting this outcome, they're meeting this standard, they're meeting this criteria, that students are like, okay, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And that's what I love about um, the, the extracurricular STEM club is I can do whatever I want. Like I have freedom to give them, you know, do you want to build an underground tunnel with Minecraft? You do that. That's fantastic. Like I just love that students have that extra space for creativity where they're not feeling like okay I'm supposed to be meeting this outcome or that outcome like there's just a bit more freedom for them to do what they want to do and that's where you can really harness that creativity and and all of those things I mean I obviously want to incorporate STEM in the classroom as well but 
the K to two STEM club, it's, it's my baby. I love it because I get to do those things where you're like, okay, I'm not so restricted in in what I have to achieve in that time. You know, if they want to take 20 minutes, you know, sticking a piece of, I don't know, tape to something, you do that. Like, yeah. And see, but that's great. I, I love that. And you're right. You know, when I did the the coding club after school, we had uh, the scratch, uh, scratch, well, we would do scratch coding. We would do the code.org curriculum, but we also used the makey makey kits, um, you know, and then the Ozobots. And it was so much fun just to see the student creation there. And then, uh, but like you said, you know, during the, during the day, we did have, you know, what we needed to do during our curriculum and, and, yeah, take care of, of those uh, important aspects that we need to cover. Yeah. But what I started doing is I started integrating the the Makey Makey kits when we had some assignments dealing with uh, the planets and yeah. using the solar system. So I found some great videos and I said, look, I, I don't know. And in my mind, it's like I'm always trying to learn. But this, I, I kind of just picked up right away and just say, you know, I may not be an expert at this, but I really want to introduce it to my kids because it's like, hey, w- like my friend Chelsea Robertson says, hey, what could go wrong? And <laughs> we would just go ahead and go to town. I say, OK, guys, this is what we're going to try. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to take it slow. And like you said, I, I think that I didn't give them enough credit because once they saw what they had to do. And once I put the Makey Makey kids in their hands, yeah, that was it. Like, they're like, hey, we got this. We're good. But what I loved about it is that I got to learn not only right along with them, but I got to learn from them. So, and I always say the story, by the time my last class of the day came in, I looked like an expert, but it was, <laughs> it was thanks to my students from you know, all of the previous classes where we were all learning together. So um, it was a fun activity. It was great. We were able to introduce uh, the planets and the solar system. And I had one one student. I I was just taken because we hadn't even covered that. But somehow he just kind of figured it out or looked yeah. it up. And then he created in Scratch how you can, I guess, uh, change the opacity. And yeah. it became more of a He's got the camera. So he would point at the planet. And then when he would point at the planet, a fact from that planet would drop down. And then, you know, the same thing. And then he did that, the same thing with the water cycle. So then we started creating tutorials for our state testing. And so every kid, every student was creating their own little tutorial. And they were coding it because you had to use the Makey Makey kit. They had to program it. And... I think that that was probably one of my best years for science scores that I had because of the engagement, the understanding, the ownership that the students took with uh, being being able to do this hands-on and giving them that creative freedom, yeah. that, that choice of, well, here's a rubric of what I need, but this is what I need to see at the end yeah. and just let them go. And I was like, wow, I was blown away by what they were able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think you hit on something really important in the middle there about, you know, you, you're building your capacity and your confidence in using it as well. I think um, a lot of educators think, I don't know how to use robots. I don't know how to code. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. And like I, I've always found that I'm only one step maybe in front of the students. I don't really know that much 
about some of the tech. I know a bit and I know how to troubleshoot problems. So sometimes I'll go, okay, I've never used a Sphero before, but yeah, have a, have a go. Like, you know, we'll learn together as we go. And I think um, once educators get past that fear, it's, again, it's that fear of like failing or like taking a risk. Like, you know, as adults, we have this so ingrained in our brains that, you know, you have to have it right or have to do it this way. That when we when we take that away and think, okay, like what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? The students aren't going to know how to use a robot. That's that's it. That's the worst thing that could happen. I mean, it might explode, but I haven't had that happen. So like, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but you know, we were using Minecraft last year with our students in the classroom, and um, I had some some of my colleagues say, "Oh, but like, what if something goes wrong?" I'm like, "Well, then we just we just can it and do something else, or I'll spend some time trying to work it out." And I found that I had three or four students again who might not have been the most successful at English and maths, but they knew Minecraft and they were my Minecraft experts. So I would say. You come and if you've got a question, you ask this this boy, this girl here, they're my experts. If you've got a question, you go ask them. That takes out half of the issues that you're going to have because they can help fix those problems for you. So I think that, you know, our, our fear of failure and our fear of what, what if something goes wrong, there's so many benefits to giving it a go. The students are developing risk-taking and, and problem-solving. You're empowering some of your students who might not have that opportunity you know, elsewhere, if they, they're actually really, you know, able to do those things. And you're going to learn along the way, as you said, like the start of last year, I didn't know anything about technology. Whereas now I know a little bit about a few things, you know, so, and that's all just come from, okay, let's have a go at putting it in our classroom. I'll learn what not to do very quickly. Um, and you'll learn some things that you can do along the way. So. And, and like you said, that's one thing that I love is that the risk taking, you know, and oftentimes so we've talked about that in other shows where, you know, the the fear of being putting yourself out there and being vulnerable as a teacher, because as a teacher, it's like, oh, you need to be the subject matter expert and you need to know everything. It's like, no, no, we don't. You know, we're only human. You know, we don't know everything. But I think for me, the, the most the most beneficial thing for me was, you said, learning from my students. But you hit on something too that I really enjoyed was that community that you build where if maybe I never figured out how to do something or there's a, like that one student, two students that figured things up or figured things out really easily. Now I can say, hey, you know what? I'm not sure, but ask him, ask her, they can help. And then they start learning from each other and it builds that community. It builds that trust. It builds that psychological safety within that classroom that if a student takes takes a risk and fails, there's going to be somebody there that's going to say, hey, you know what, Let, let's look at this a different way or let's try this. And that reminds me of one day uh, we had our coding club and I had the kiddos that were using, uh, they were trying to program, they were programming on, on code.org, I believe. And they were stuck. They were mm -hmm. stuck. They were trying to fix a bug. It was already five o'clock and it was like, hey, you know what, guys, it's time to go. Actually, it was 415. I'm sorry, because we let out at 415. And so they're like, no, like, I need to figure this out. And the student was real adamant. Like, he's like, I don't want to leave until I figure this out. Well, then all of a sudden I had three other kids that were like, OK, we'll help you. And it was an amazing thing that as a team, they collaborated. They were there till 445. They made their parents wait. <laughs> they told their mom, they're like, can you wait? 
And so I'm there kind of like, oh my goodness, I don't want, I don't want them to, the parents to get upset. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. I mean, this is all he ever talks about at home. He loves this. And then, so they finally figured it out and they at all in unison just jumped up and were like, hooray. And they were cheering for each other. And I thought that that was one of the greatest things that I had ever experienced as a teacher, being able to see that team effort there. And it was because they were coding and they built that friendship. And mind you, some of the students were students that weren't even in the same pod because we had two separate pods, Uh, students that maybe didn't really hang out so much in the same groups, uh, you know, during the school day. But at during coding club, it's like, hey, like this is my coding club family. And it was different. So, I mean, that that's amazing. (laughs) And, And they've made that connection with each other and we all know that at that age like for teenagers in high school like the most influential people in their lives are their friends and their their peers so if they're going to learn something from each other they're going to hold on to that a lot more than they might i mean you know obviously teachers have a, a crucial impact on their lives but we know that they really do they are influenced by their peers so if they're learning together with their peers and they pick something up they're probably going to retain that a lot more than if a teacher's at the front of a classroom telling them this is what you need to know you know like if they're building that relationship together yeah it's fantastic it is it really is and so i mean so many benefits that we've talked about and you know what what this can do and especially for you like since i don't have that experience it's wonderful to hear that experience for a k through two uh coding club and i could just imagine if Maybe hopefully there is a, a teacher that there that might be interested to do it, maybe third through fifth or however mm-hmm. the grade levels go. But, you know, it, it all starts somewhere. Yeah. And I think sometimes what happens is those kiddos, you know, that are in K through two, let's say they go to third grade and maybe there's nothing there. They're yeah. going to start asking for it because yeah. it's something that they love, that they enjoy and that they want to continue with. So it's something to consider, too, as far as you know, within your school setting, uh, talking to administrators and seeing, hey, how, you know, how can you help me support, you know, the higher grade levels and so on. And um, that's one thing that I loved. And now that I've had the opportunity to do those uh, STEM clubs during, or excuse me, STEM camps during the summer, you know, having about 50, 60 kids uh, Mm -hmm. in two sessions, because I would do two sessions for them. it was just amazing. And, you know, they're there for a week, they're learning, they're building, they're creating, working with robots, learning concepts. Um, and then they get their certificate at the end. I invite all of the parents to come in. And uh, I also have a great help from another uh, teacher, a high school teacher. His name is Mr. Barbosa. And he's got a, a drone flight club. And then he also does the history club and the astronomy club. So he does a lot of makerspace stuff at the high school. So he brings in a lot of his resources and the last this last year that we did get to do the STEM camp, he brought an inflatable planetarium. So the children got to experience that. But what I loved is that that Thursday when we end our camp, we have the parents come in and then we do a gallery walk with the parents where they get to show their parents what they've learned, how to use it. And then they walked in there in the planetarium. Then the parents were uh, parents and grandparents were there too. And they were driving the robots and they were (laughs) happy and just seeing the joy that their, their child was having that the fun that they had. But I love that even the parents 
were having that fun that at the end they were at, they were telling asking me it's like hey um he's been talking about this the whole time like how much does one of these things cost yeah. like an ozobot cost where can i find one where can i you know and and it's great you know they love it because they see the benefit of it and it's been great <laughs> it's so good i um i ha i got a robot for myself at home because i love them so much and so when my niece and my nephew come over they're always playing with it and i've got you know my family are looking around going how does it work and i'm like oh, it takes a bit of time you've got to put it together and this and that and yet the adults are always initially perplexed and then yeah. once they it, they're like oh that's fantastic you know, it really is like i think you need to see it to believe it and then once you've got them hooked you know you know you've got them like forever it's good all right fiona well let's kind of change the conversation a little bit here because i really want to talk about this i think this is fairly recent at least that i saw you posted which yeah. is the stem ed magazine yeah. is that correct can you tell us a little bit more about this project that that you're taking on yeah, sure. So over our, we've just finished our summer holidays this um, this past week, and I'm, I'm really passionate about helping educators, especially with STEM, um, feel more confident integrating STEM into their classrooms, um, and really just trying to get STEM learning into as many classrooms as possible. So how can we break down those barriers of um, you know educators? Um, you know, not knowing how to integrate STEM or how to fit it in or what is it, all of these things. So I um, I asked my Twitter PLN, Twitter, by the way, just putting it out there is the best thing in the world. If you're not on it, you need to get on it. Um, I have so many really close and valuable connections made through Twitter. Um, and so I put it out there like I just had this thought in the back of my mind, would, would anyone be interested in a STEM education magazine? And for some reason, it just blew up a bit. And I had lots of positive feedback saying, yes, this would be fantastic. If you want someone to write for it, I'd love to. Um, and it just kind of kept snowballing from there. So I thought, oh, I think I'm onto something. I think this is something that educators really want, like a free digital publication uh, stories by educators for educators about what they're doing in the classroom for STEM. Um, and, you know, my husband's a bit of a realist and I like to take lots of things on. And so he he's normally like, no, you really shouldn't be doing anything else. But even he said, I think this is a good idea. So I knew I was onto something when I got that feedback. Um, and so I, I've done previous blogging work and things like that. So I really do like writing. So that's kind of where the magazine idea tied in. Um, so I sort of started setting it all up. Um, early January, about the 9th of January or so, and we've already got over a couple of hundred subscribers, um, you know, over five, 600 people across social media, just all of these educators who are really interested in STEM education and wanting to learn more. And I've just, I've got, you know, 30, 40 contributors lined up for the next three issues. We haven't even launched yet, um, but it's just picked up all of this momentum of people who are really interested in, um, in this publication. So, what, what my aim is to, is to share real life stories of STEM educators in the classroom. What are they doing in their classroom? Um, how can it help um, other educators across the world? So I've got some stories about microbits and ozobots from Australia and from Hong Kong. I've got people talking about teaching science in the pandemic. I've got, as we talked about before, like those cross-curricular links, I've got someone writing about STEM and literacy education. 
Um, I've got a few people sharing their businesses um, with us as well. So I've just got like a range of people contributing just their stories about STEM education, how they've gotten started and what they've been doing. And so it's my hope that it will just encourage educators say, okay, I could do that in my classroom. That that doesn't seem too complex or um, just learn a bit more about what STEM education is and how they can, um, yeah, how they can utilise it. Because as we've talked about today, like we know how beneficial it is for students, like, you know, their content knowledge, those valuable skills, like we know that it's valuable. So how can we actually get it into more classrooms? Um, so that's what I'm passionate about. And I hope that the magazine can help some educators out there to sort of think a bit more, a bit differently about what they're doing and how they might be able to, to get on board with that as well. I think that this is great. I mean, it's just really taking that passion that you have for STEM and taking on something like this. And, and the one thing that I loved is you put it out there on social media and mm. look at the response that you've had. I know that once I found that link too, I subscribed to it because I mean, definitely this is something that I would be interested in. And maybe I'll, I'll if I, Maybe I'll write something and uh, share some of that experience too as well. But I, I love that this idea because like you said, you it's people from around the globe. It's not just people from your area for your area. This is for people everywhere around the globe that are contributing to this uh, magazine. And it's just a great resource uh, for no or knowledge for teachers to be able yeah. to obtain and just read how many other educators either how they maybe first started, the risk yeah. that they took, but now they see the rewards and then they get to see uh, the types of programs, the types yeah. of, uh, you know, either robots or platforms, um, things that, they, that they're that they using to start their clubs or to integrate within their curriculum. And, you know, what, what other great way to get that in this one STEM ed magazine? So, um, Fiona, when is uh, the first issue out or, you know? We're hoping to launch by mid-February. I'm hoping to have a launch date in the next couple of days, but it will definitely be mid-February. So if you follow along on our Twitter and things like that, I'll definitely put up the, the launch date. I'm almost finished our website that will have more information on it as well, getting ready. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited. I'm, I just love how many people have come come to me saying that they're really excited um, about the magazine and hearing other people's stories. Like I think um, I, we learn so much from each other. You know, we learn from the stories of other people and what did you do in the classroom? Okay, you, you've done that and it's worked so I can do it too. It's a, it's a tried and, and tested, um, you know, STEM lesson or activity. And I've as I've been reading the submissions, I've learned so much. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this in my classroom. I'm going to try that. So, yeah, I hope that other people have that experience as well. I hope so too. I'm really excited. I'm just popping in the link here, guys, in the chat. So those of you that are going to be re-watching this later, it'll be there in the chat. It'll also be in the show notes. That way you can get a hold of Fiona through her Twitter account, but also so you can follow uh, STEM Ed Magazine as well. Because again, it's all about connecting educators and here you're connecting those educators that are interested in STEM or maybe those that are curious and they want to see and maybe they're just kind of a little bit hesitant as, uh, you know, to start. This yeah. could be that springboard that can get them just jumping and diving right in into the wonderful world of STEM and understanding yeah. that it's not just all about the gadgets. It's not all about 
you know, building and doing it's we've got to look deeper than that. It's the concepts that they're learning, collaboration skills, that critical thinking, mathematical skills, all of that will tie in together and it's just going to be a wonderful experience. But Fiona, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Um, This is such a wonderful, uh, you know, conversation. And then just to hear the wonderful work that you're doing with K through two kids in their, in your coding club and the excitement that they have. And it just really made my heart happy just hearing about, you know, those underground bases that they want to build, that they want to improve the, the, the recess area with slides and all of that. And uh, so uh, more power to you. I wish you the best continue doing what you're doing because you're definitely a wonderful resource to, Uh, your school district, your school, and to your students. So thank you so much for being here. And also, since you are part of the PLF, anytime that you'd love to come back, and hopefully once you launch your magazine, we'd love to have you back and maybe you can get uh, some of the collaborators there that would love to be on so that they can share their experiences and we can have kind of like a STEM roundtable. I think that would be a great, great experience. So as always, like I say, all my guests, you are part of the PLF, the personal learning family, and you will always have an open invite to the show. So keep that in mind. I look forward to seeing you hopefully, you know, about February, you know, when the bag comes out. (laughs) Perfect. So guys, those of you that are watching and listening, thank you so much. I appreciate Mel. Uh, Mel was here earlier. She did say hi to you, Fiona. I know Mel's from Australia too as well. Now she's yeah. teaching in Colombia. And we also had yeah. a message here from Raf Teach uh, Lib eLearning. Awesome yeah. work, V. Such an yeah. amazing educator doing brilliant things in STEM. Can't wait for your magazine. Thank you so much for joining us with your comments today. And friends, thank you again, those of you that took the time out of your Friday evening. I know it's Friday. It's time to unwind. But those of you that were here, thank you so much. If you didn't catch us today, you can always catch the the replay on our YouTube channel. And of course, the podcast will be up shortly. So thank you very much, my friends. And we'll see you back here next Wednesday. And until next time, stay techie, my friends. Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 oh